podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the 1871 podcast with Dylan Kerr, Johnny Hunt and me, Mark Roach. And a heads up for you that our special guest on Tuesday will be Royals legend Graham Murty. And we've got a very special guest on this episode, so I'm delighted to welcome current Reading FC women's striker Natasha Dowie. So, Natasha, thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. You're very Thanks welcome. Sure. And we're going to be, uh, we're going to be having a, a good chat with you. But before we do that, let's have a, a recap on the current men's side. It's a little bit doom and gloom again, but, um, you know, let, let's, let's have a recap nevertheless. So the bounce, as they call it, with Paul Ince only lasted one game, followed by two defeats. And it's a big week coming up for the Royals with Nottingham Forest away tomorrow. Bournemouth away on Tuesday and then Blackburn at home a week tomorrow and then there are only eight games left this season so Dylan I'm going to come to you first two tough away games coming up with Forest chasing a a place in the playoffs Bournemouth fighting for automatic promotion you know two away games two tough away games what are your thoughts ahead of those two games? Well look I mean obviously you know with social media and and the people I know in Reading the there's there's the optimism at home games is is not as good as they are when they go, go to away games. So the pressures off them from from, from a supporters level um, of trying to you know get a result at home. They're away from home. They're still the loyalists of Reading football fans will still be travelling to see them. You know just down the road uh, in Bournemouth and and they'll be going up to Nottingham. But it's a tough it's it's a tough ask to get six points. And Paul Ince and Jiltsey, they've got to motivate these players to try and get the best out of, of, of the squad that they've, they've inherited. And, and basically, you know, pick the best team to go and beat Forest first and then obviously Bournemouth. And like you say, you know, the last eight games, I'm in the same situation with my team. We've got eight games to go. I need four wins out of those eight games. And each game is going to get tougher as, as it comes along. And uh, I can I can see where Michael and uh, uh, Paul are, are going to have to try and fix this. They've got not to concede for one. You know that's the, that's the first priority to make sure the back four and the goalkeeper is the right choice. But then they've got to try and get goals and the two tough places uh, yeah. to go to away from home. So it's going to be very very tough for for, for Reading. Yeah, and we'll know more. Obviously, three games coming up in quick succession, so we'll we'll know a bit more about how things. Uh, will stand for the rest of the season after those three three games, three big games for Reading. Now, Johnny, you've got a fundraising walk coming up, haven't you? So tell us a little bit about that and, and how people can support that if they want to. Yeah, so um, we've done a few walks for Reading to Fulham and back um, with the Walk and Talk gang. Um, this time, because we're going for the full Monty, we're going from Reading to Bournemouth, leaving Monday 2pm to hopefully get there before kickoff on Tuesday at Bournemouth. Um, it's 70 miles non-stop, 24 hours. So it'll be fun. But basically, um, you know, follow me on, on Twitter, Hunting Royal. Um, we're, you know, we're updating people. We want people, if people want to join the walk, I've, I've got um, places where we're, we're meeting up during it, some very nice places in the New Forest, I believe. Um, and you know, if people want to, you know, just join us at the start or at the end, the last, I think the last, we're meeting at a pub very handy about four o'clock on Tuesday, um, in the railway in Christchurch, and we're walking the last bit with some Bournemouth fans. So, but look, to me, 
you know, it's all about raising awareness to mental health because it's huge. It's a big part of my life. Um, friend Dan's doing the walk with me. He's doing uh, cancer awareness um, in honour of his dad. Um, and you know, after the last two years of the COVID world and working through it as a nurse, just to do something positive where we can raise the profile of some good people doing work out there. A bit of positivity for us as fans because the way the games are going well are not going so well at the minute. And, you know, it'd be a fun challenge. So we look forward to it. And that's at Hunty Royal on, on Twitter if you if you want. Yeah, yeah. And, and just, just to confirm, when you said the full Monty, I, I think you are doing it with your clothes on, aren't you? Absolutely, mate. It would be too cold. Um, but yeah, non-stop. So that's going to be uh, yeah, no sleep till uh, Bournemouth. No sleep till Bournemouth. That sounds yeah. like a Beastie Boys song from the 80s. It does, but... doesn't it? There you go. Anyway, enough of that. Enough of that Beastie Boys and full Monty chat. Let's have a chat now with, with current Reading FC women's striker Natasha Dowie. Um, and I know Dylan, you, you know Natasha through uh, Natasha's dad, Bob Dowie. Um, and, and Natasha, just, you know, I'm going to do a little intro for you here. But if I read out all your honours and achievements, we might not have much time left to actually chat to you. So I'm going to summarise this a bit. So you've won the WSL twice with Liverpool, the Women's FA Cup with Everton, the W League in Australia with Melbourne Victory, as well as numerous player of the year and golden boot awards and you've played and scored for England and obviously you know every player wants to win trophies but I want to start off by asking you how does that compare to representing your your country is is that the pinnacle for you do you think yeah I think every person's ambition is to represent their country and you know I'm really fortunate to have done that um, through under 15s all the way up to senior level. And it's been some of the proudest moments of my playing career to have played in an under 20s World Cup in Chile, to have my dad see me score my first ever international goal um, for the under 15s in Northern Ireland. So yeah, it definitely is. I've had a lot of highlights in my career and I've been very lucky, um, but for sure representing my country is up there. And it's your first season uh, with Reading and we were having a quick chat about this before this episode started um, and, and you signed for, for Reading from AC Milan. So could I ask you why you decided to sign for, for Reading? Surely you would have liked to have stayed out in, in Italy, I'm sure. But, um, you know, and, and how do you feel that you've, you've settled in at, at Reading? Yeah, so the last six or seven years I've been travelling, I've been playing abroad um, and it's been definitely the best decision of my playing career. I've grown as a player and as a person. I've been able to play in America, Australia, Norway, Sweden and obviously Italy, Italy like you said last year. And when I got the opportunity to sign a two-year contract at AC Milan, it was a, a very proud moment for me to represent that club. It's where the number 10 shirt to play under Maurizio Gans, who's played for, you know, Italy and, and Inter Milan and some top, top clubs to, you know, have Maldini at the games. It was incredible. And um, living in Italy, living in Milan, learning the language, everything about it was, you know, a dream come true. Um, but it was tough also. I played in countries where the first language isn't English. Um, however, they could speak the language English pretty well so we could communicate. In Italy, I found it pretty tough. I am not the best, to be honest, at speaking languages. So my Italian was very poor and the Italian girls didn't speak great, 
great English and the manager, his English was pretty non-existent. So it was really hard because the type of character that I am, I'm, uh, I'm a very vocal person, I'm a big character and I found it really tough to not really be able to show my true personality and to kind of communicate and really get the best out of myself as a player. So that plus COVID, it made it a really kind of challenging year for me, to be honest. My family couldn't come out and see me. Um, I actually got COVID when I was in Italy, so I had to isolate for the 16 days. So even though when you look on paper, you know, our scoring goals, we finished second in the league, we made the cup final, we made Champions League. You know, it was a successful year on paper, but it's probably the first time in my career, actually, that I wasn't very happy. Um, I've always been a player that football's been my life. You know, I live and breathe it, but actually I, I wasn't enjoying my football and it was really tough to take actually, because I felt as if I should be playing at this top club, but there was just too much unhappiness in me. So um, unfortunately um, I decided that a move away would be the best decision for me. Um, I had no real aspirations to come back home. Um, you know, I've won the league in England, I've won the FA Cup, the League Cup. There was nothing really to come back to win. So I kind of, that's why I was traveling and playing abroad so much. But I also came to the point in my career where I'm 33, I've won a lot. And I also realized that happiness is the most important thing. And if I'm not happy, I'm not going to be performing well on the pitch. So having spoke to Kelly Chambers and her kind of goals at Reading, the new training facilities with the men, they're a competitive team that always, you know, were mid-table, but could challenge the top teams also. And also just how much she wanted me, to be honest. She came in for me the year before, but I chose AC Milan instead. But she was still willing to fight for me. And not a, man not a lot of managers would probably want to sign a 33-year-old. Um, a lot of managers now, they look for the next up-and-coming superstar. But Kelly said, you know what, Tash, everywhere you've gone, you've scored goals. I don't care how old you are. You can be 37. If you're still performing, you're going to be playing in my team. So I think that was a big reason why I decided to come back um, to play for Reading and also I wanted to come back and show people how I've developed as a player and a person over the six years of being away and hopefully I've done that so far. And and Tash, know, Johnny, oh, go on, sorry Dylan. No, I don't think, uh, I don't know if you, you're aware of this but I think, am I right, you played in uh, Australia with Jeff Hopkins? Yes. Or Jeff Hopkins? Yes. You know, another Reading legend and and you know, I was delighted when you went out there. And I mean, I often, I've often asked Jeff how you were doing. And I mean, you, you, were, a, you were a very, very important part of that programme that, that uh, Jeff was doing. So he, he speaks very, very highly for you, of you. So, um, and like I said, I know you through your dad and your uncle. I mean, when did, what, what got you into football, Tash? What, was, it, was it your dad or was it, did, did, did you, you know, how did you get into football? Yeah, I definitely think that dad had a massive part to play in that. I think I well, it must have been three or four. I just always remember carrying a football around. And when I was younger, we weren't able to play with the boys at school. We didn't have that opportunity. So being dad having me and not having any boys in the family, I guess I was kind of the tomboy of the team. Chelsea was a bit more of the girly girl. Um, so I remember we just used to have a kickabout together. Me and a couple of my friends who used to live close by, and then kind of dad then developed Harpen and Colts, which is the local town that we played in. And I remember playing for Harpen and Colts when I was younger. And from there, I then started getting scouted by your Watfords and went on to then play for Fulham and Charlton. And my kind of career developed from there. But speaking to dad, he always used to say that 
I'd be kicking a football on the streets and then I'd go in for dinner. Then I'd go back out again and still be doing my keepy ups. And I just always remember having a ball and just always wanting to play football. And I always think that I never used to think I was the most talented player when I was younger. Dad always used to say I was, but sometimes I think fathers can, can say that about their kids. But I think the big thing about me and where probably I've got to where I've got to is, is my dedication. And, you know, I'm not the quickest, I'm not the most skillful, the most talented, but I work so hard um, to get to where I am. And even now at the age that I am, you know, I, I'm, I'm still probably covering some of the biggest distances in the game because I think when you have that mentality, it doesn't change. And I think that I realise that I'm probably the, not the most talented player. So I have to work that extra bit harder, you know, and luckily I score goals, which always helps as well. Johnny, I know you want to uh, jump in with a question, don't you? Because Johnny's actually on a work break at the moment. So uh, <laughs> he's, uh, he's a bit pushed for I time. I wonder the, the wall in the background looks as if you're doing a bit of work. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 that's, that's just bad painting. <laughs> your career spanned, you know, a long period where women's football's developed so much, um, you know, from I know when Reading, I used to watch Reading when they were, they were semi-professional and to now what they've become the last few years and done amazingly under Kelly. What's been the big changes you think throughout that time and what do you think or where, where else it needs to go or what needs to change the future? So even since I've been away, so when I won the league at Liverpool back to back, we were playing on a rugby ground in Widnes, 4G, um, semi-pro still kind of training at night time, people still had work. Um, and so I've been away now for six years and to come back and see the difference even in that small amount of time. So for us, even the biggest thing I've noticed is the training facilities yeah. uh, and the stadiums that we play at. You know, so we we train basically next to the men. I had Paul Lintz the other day come onto our pitch during our session and work with me one one on one with my movement and my oh. hold up play. So things like that just wouldn't have happened, you know, five or six years ago yeah. to be able to play at the Majeski Stadium. And a lot of people could say, oh, you know, we're really lucky. And you know, I think a player coming from where I used to work. You know, we never used to get our kit clean for us. You know, now we're spoiled, to be honest. And I think I'm very happy that I've been in that era where, you know, we, like I said, we've worked and we've, and then we've had to balance football to then be able to really appreciate what we've got. Whereas a lot of the younger players, they still think that we deserve more. But for me, okay. you know, it's baby steps, you know, and I understand you always want to keep pushing and like making women's football better, but also to where we've come from to now, you know, our game this weekend is on Sky Sports against Manchester yeah. United. And so things like that, I think, you know, it's great. And the money that we're earning now, yes, it's not like the men, but it shouldn't be like the men because we don't bring in as much revenue. But we're able now to work and make a good living and not have to, you know, balance part-time jobs to, to, you know, to be able to survive. Um, and focus on your game as well, I guess, 100%. And like, don't get me wrong, you know, I, I look at Reading. We're not a Chelsea, a City, an Arsenal where... They can spend, you know, four or five million pounds a year and probably lose that, but it doesn't affect them because obviously the men are supporting them. Whereas at Reading, we obviously don't have that. You know, we don't have that luxury. The men aren't a Premier League club. So we have to, you know, you know, probably you a bit differently. But I think that also makes you hungry and you have to work harder. And I look at Kelly this season. Kelly's been a sports scientist at the beginning of the season because we didn't have one. Our physio got COVID a couple of weeks ago. Kelly then, during the game, had to be um, a physio before the game, massaging players. You know, she's uh, had to be a general manager this season. So 
I also think there's a lot of things behind the scenes that people don't see. And that's why I respect Kelly so much because she's obviously played for the club, brought the club to where it is um, and has made the team a very competitive team. But with regards to your last question on where it could go and how it still needs to prove, I do think attendances still aren't enough. I think a lot of people probably then choose to just watch the games on TV. I, I think we get maybe three, 400 people at a game. For me, I would love to see more. So, you know, at the cup finals at Wembley, they can get 70,000 people to those games. So I then ask the question of why then week to week are the attendances so little? So I think that should be maybe a focus moving forward is to try and get more bums on seats at the stadiums. Well, let's, yeah, let's, let's make a start. Let's make a start. Tomorrow is at the uh, Select Car Leasing Stadium as it as it's known now, obviously still many people call it Medeski, of course. So that's uh, Man United at home tomorrow. It's an 11.30 kickoff. Um, and then your next game on on Wednesday next week is away to Man City. But Easy. just want to just yeah. talk about the, the current run of form you're on. Yeah. Um, so Reading were on a great run of form in the WSL and, and you had a fantastic win against Chelsea, who are the champions, of course. But it's fair to say it has been a, a difficult few weeks for you results-wise. So you had the defeat against Arsenal, although on Sunday you, you held Spurs to, to a nil-nil draw. What What's the mood like among the players at the moment? Yeah, it's hard. I think being around the game long enough that I've learned that the highs are never as high and the lows are never as low. I try and keep myself quite level and that's with my own individual, individual game as well as the team collectively. I think we started the season with four defeats in a row, having not scored a goal. And then we went on that incredible, I think it was nine games unbeaten run and we were riding the wave and it was an incredible feeling. You went into every game really feeling as if you could never lose. You know, coming back from being 2-0 down against, I think it was uh, Birmingham, even being 1-0 down against Everton and then coming back and winning, uh, scoring late goals against Brighton. Um, So the, the loss against Brighton 4-1, I think it was, which kind of ended our streak, was a tough one to take, purely because of the way we performed. Uh, we didn't perform very well. It wasn't us. Um, but we thought maybe that would be the little kick up the backside that we needed to get ourselves back on track. Unfortunately, we obviously lost against West Ham in the FA Cup with the, the extra time late winner. Um, Arsenal was always going to be a tough game. They're, champ- they're, you know, they're top of the league. You know, they're probably one of, if not the best teams in the league at the moment. Um, and a, a very good point, to be honest, against Tottenham uh, the other day. So for me right now, yeah, we're not performing great, if I'm being honest. Um, and, and our performances do need to get better. Um, I think, you know, we're, we're changing formations a lot. Kelly's experimenting a lot with different formations. We've still, you know, got a lot of new players, new signings in the January transfer window. So we probably, as a team, really still haven't, really clicked if I'm being honest but if you look at the table you know we I think what fifth or sixth behind your Chelsea's your City's your United's your Tottenham's you know and probably on half of you know their kind of paycheck so looking at it if you probably would have asked us would we have taken this right now we probably would have Um, but I still think there's a lot to come from this team and we've got two tough games against United and City coming up and we've still got Chelsea to play. We've got a hard run of games. But I think the beauty about this league is anyone can beat anyone. And we've, and we've beaten Chelsea. We've proven we can, you know, beat the top teams. But it's more about our mentality and going into those games, 
you know, with that strong mentality. And if you underestimate anyone in this league, you're going to come unstuck. So that's where we need to get a bit more consistent with, with our mindset. And um, yeah, so the mood right now is, is a mixed mood. I think, I think we're, we're happy with the point against Spurs, but we also know that we've got some tough games coming up as well. Cash. Um... Oh, I've got two. I've actually got three questions. I hope I can I hope I can answer them in such a short time. But you know, I, I was in I was involved with Queen's Park Ladies when I came back to Scotland when I worked with the SFA. And my wee little claim to fame is like working with Shelley Kerr, uh, bringing Jenny Beatty through and Kim Little through. And you know, I would never in a million years expect to coach uh, a semi-professional ladies team, uh, but I did it in America and I enjoyed doing it. What's the difference? Uh, from from training uh, as a as a as a as a, a lady as a woman footballer to men's football is it is there much difference now? I mean, I'm talking now ten years ago that no, that's even longer, fifteen years ago that I worked with women's football. What's the difference now? What's the has it changed much since you started compared to now at 33 at Reading and all the clubs that you've been to? Yeah, definitely. I think the big thing for me is your fitness levels. I think back in the day, you could get away with maybe not doing the training or, you know, skipping, you know, the odd bits here and there, whereas now you can't. It's a full-time job. You know, your, your life, people think your life's boring, but really it's routine. I wake up, I go to training, I come home, I recover, I go to sleep. That's pretty much my day-to-day -day life, week in, week out. Um, you know, we get one day off a week. Most of that time you're exhausted through the week of training, so you just want to rest and recover. Um, so you don't really get to see friends and family that much. Um, we rarely get the odd two days off, to be honest. So we don't really get to travel. You know, I have my house in Liverpool that I haven't been to in years, to be honest. Um, so, you know, for me, I love the lifestyle. I love playing football, but it's also a very demanding lifestyle if you want to be playing at the top. And I think the thing yeah. that's developed the most is the recovery side of things. You know, the, the staff that we have, the sports scientists, the doctors, the physios, um, your rest and recovery you know we're members at Nirvana Spa so every day we can go to the spa we can do the hot and cold recovery we've got the cryotherapy I think all those kind of things we never used to have back in the day and I think that's why at 33 I'm feeling fitter than ever and I think that's why players are playing um, at a lot older ages um, because of the support system that we have you know day to day nutrition wise um, you know, agents now that, you know, look after players and can get players sponsorships with, with my, you know, I'm with New Balance. And yeah, so I think there's so much that's developed. And, and even the money side of things, you know, when, when you hear of some of the, the kind of transfers within the women's game now, the likes yeah. of Sam Kerr's, I think that was transferred to go to Chelsea for like 2.5 million pound. It's, it's crazy now. So, you know, it's great. And I'm excited to see over the next few years, the way the women's football keeps developing, but yeah, it's cool that you obviously worked with Kim and um, Jen Beatty. Cause to me, they're world-class players, especially Kim Little, even now she's in my opinion, the best player in the league. So what a talent. I love working with them. It was absolutely, you know, I, I, I didn't treat them as, as girls. I treat them as footballers and yeah. they did exactly what I would do with, with, with any team that I was training. And, Again, I've just remembered when Reading Ladies started, Stan Bembenek, uh, a big Reading fan, he was the one that just kind of got the ball rolling. And when I was at Reading, I would spend my Wednesday nights coaching these under-13 uh, Reading girls, which, again, you know, was, was brilliant, you know. 
better you know better than like you know just sat at home and watching tv i would actually go out and enjoy it and my second question is management coaching what's your what's the future for natasha dowie yeah, so right now I'm actually doing my A license. So um, I'm, work, I'm doing it through the PFA with Jim Hicks. So I have a year to complete that. So I, if I can get that, then that would be great for me because, you know, I still see myself playing for a good four, five, six more years, you know, as long as I can. You know, I'm someone that I don't have a set age that I think right, I'm going to hang my boots up. As long as I'm playing well, performing well, I want to play for as long as I can. And then after that, definitely... Um, get my coaching badges. I love doing the TV work of things. I've, I've done a bit of Fox sports work in Australia. And um, at the moment I'm doing a bit of podcasting with the BBC. So that's definitely a passion of mine as well. Um, so yeah, those are kind of two avenues that I would like to go down and then just have some good brunches and enjoy life. I think. <laughs> <laughs> so Natasha, you, you had, um, you, you talked about working hard and that's a key part of your game. And you've had a good goal scoring ratio throughout your career and the same at, uh, at Reading since you've, you've been at Reading. Um, how much of that has been down to the players around you? How much of that is to do with the hard work that you talked about? And how much of it is down to your, your own goal scoring instinct, if you like? I think you've really hit the nail on the head. I think it involves all of those three things, if I'm being honest. I I think I'm not going to score goals if I haven't got my teammates assisting me and seeing my runs. But I think I take pride in practicing. You know, I'm, I'm really lucky. We have our assistant coach, Phil Cousins, who is very good with one-on-one -on -one work. He, he actually is a striker coach. So it's the first time actually in my career that I've been able to work one-on-one -on -one with a coach and do extra work, you know, once or twice a week um, on like different types of finishing and maybe chances that I missed the week before that then I want to work on. So um, I think that's been a big part of my goals this season. Um, but then also I do think it's instinct. I think that as a striker, you, you can't, the best strikers are in the right place at the right time. And I think a couple of my goals this season have been uh, the poacher goals that normally I score. Um, I have scored, I'm very proud of a couple of the goals that I've scored this season. I've got goal of the month in January with a, about a 30, 35 yard lob with my left foot. So that was really nice. Um, I'm not used to scoring outside the box. I'm not known for those kind of goals. So I've actually scored a couple of nice goals from outside the area this season and probably should have had a few more this season if I'm being honest as well. And I think that's where I always have very high, um, I guess, ambitions for myself individually. You know, I have a calendar here in my kitchen now that every game I write down how many goals I'm going to score. Um, and that's my target. And if I don't hit my target, then, you know, I, I'm, I'm owed a goal. So, you know, I look at the last couple of weeks, I haven't scored and that's frustrating more because I haven't actually had any chances. I think that's as a striker, you're more frustrating when, when you get chances and you don't score them, at least, you know, you're going to get the chances and, you know, you can just go on the training ground and work on it. But when you're kind of starved of service and not getting those opportunities, that's always tough. So that's where I need to then, get on the training pitch, get my head down, keep working because you know as a striker you're always going to get those opportunities um, and then you need to be ready when they come. And at a club like Reading, where we're not a top, top team, the chances are probably going to be a little bit less. So that's when as a striker you have to be even more ready. You know, you're not like a Miedemar at Arsenal where you're going to probably get five or six opportunities a game and maybe miss three or four but score two. You know, at, at this club you're maybe going to get one or two chances. So I think that's where you have to have that real mindset of like, I'm ready, you know, throughout the whole 90 minutes. 
And what's the aim now for the for the rest of the season for the team and, and for you personally? So for myself personally, I, I want to keep scoring goals. I want I want to get golden boot in the team. Um, but also right now I'm third in the league uh, with goals um, behind Miedemar and Sam Kerr at Arsenal and Chelsea. So I want to try and climb that ladder as much as I can. And I'm really proud of where I'm sitting at the moment. Um, and then as a team, I think we need to pick up as many points as we possibly can. Um, you know, we, we were at some stage when we went on that nine game unbeaten run, it was, we were talking Champions League and you look, I've got high aspirations. I'm a player that I want to win. I'm used to winning. So for me, why not? Um, if we keep, you know, winning our games, then we're in a very good position with the game in hand to put ourselves as, as close as we can to that top three. But um, I'm also proud because I think we've already beaten Reading's um, record number of points so far um, at this point of the season. So that's really pleasing for myself as well as a new player uh, to know that we've had a good impact on the club already. Yes, yeah, so we'll just keep pushing. I'll try and score as many goals as I can to help the team um, and try and finish as high at the table as we possibly can. So, um, Natasha, thank you so much for joining us as a guest. We wish you best of luck for the the two games coming up in the rest of the season. So home to Manchester United tomorrow, 11, uh, sorry, 11.30 kickoff at the Select Car Leasing Stadium. So good luck, wish you all the best with that. So that's it for this episode. But just a reminder that Royals legend Graham Murty is our special guest on Tuesday. And don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 1871podcast. So thank you, take care and good night. And come on, you ours. Sports Social Podcast Network.